0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChambaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group prohibited by law. See terms and
1: conditions 18 plus.
0: Hello and welcome to this incredibly special episode where we take a deep dive into the state of Nagorno-Karabakh or Artsakh. For today's conversation, I was joined by Ms. Anush Khavalyan. Ms. Ghavalyan has served as the former advisor to the president of the National Assembly of the Republic of Artsakh. She currently works as a political analyst living in Artsakh and I was lucky enough to speak with her at length about the state of her country and the effects of the recent conflict. I was rather surprised to learn that Artsakh is governed as though it were a de facto state. It was also the first time that I heard of a legal loophole that Azerbaijan has used to deny Artsakh the right to secede or the right to self-determination post the collapse of the Soviet Union. We discuss the horrors of the conflict on ground, the plight of internally displaced peoples, and the massive rebuilding effort that lies ahead for the government of Artsakh. Among other things, we also talk about the role of the international community in the Nagorno-Karabakh question, and why the citizens of Artsakh currently have a very favourable view of Russia. During our call, the connection dropped a fair few times, And Ms. Gawalyan kept apologising about the poor internet connection, which was a result of the multiple bombings that services in Artsakh have faced. This is just a small indication of the sheer extent of the losses experienced within the region. As always, please do tell your friends and family about the show, and don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. Here's my conversation with Ms. Gawalyan on the story behind Nagorno-Karabakh. Hello and welcome to this episode of Mathfile, where I have the pleasure of being joined by Miss Anush Kavalyan. Thank you so much and welcome to the show, ma'am.
1: Thank you so much.
0: I want to start with the history of Artsakh. As I understand it, forever, so for millennia now, Artsakh has been occupied by people of Armenian descent. When did Artsakh become territory of Azerbaijan and why was it placed under the national rule of Azerbaijan?
1: So the conflict is um, dating back to the Uh, 20th century, it's a a century-old conflict, back to the collapse of the Russian Empire in 1918, when the Russian Empire collapsed, uh, three uh, nation-states appeared um, in the region, Armenia, Azerbaijan, and uh, Georgia. so during this period of time, uh, Azerbaijan uh, proclaimed its independence and also, it presented territorial claims uh, to its neighbor, Armenia, over Nagorno-Karabakh, or Nahidjavan, and other regions. Uh, artsakh during uh, the, this period of time, it was um, part of the Russian Empire, but when the Russian Empire collapsed, it uh, became just a sovereign territory, and it uh, didn't belong to Azerbaijan. It, it was mostly populated by Armenians, and Armenians uh, here had a, a kind of autonomy. And uh, Nagorno-Karabakh uh, has been never part of Azerbaijan during that time, and also uh, in the future. So, uh, when uh, Azerbaijan proclaimed its independence and was created as statute, nineteen eighteen and nineteen twenty, it uh, presented territorial claims and. Over Nagorno Karabakh, over Artsakh, and uh, even uh, when we uh, when we uh, observe the documents of, of that time, we see that even the League of Nations that uh, was dealing with these uh, issues uh, in the uh, nin- uh, nineties, it uh, declined Azerbaijan's appeal uh, to League of Nations. Its membership uh, because it has uh, it had uh, no clear boundaries and uh, also for its territorial disputes uh, with uh, neighbor countries. So uh, when we also observe the documents and uh, t- uh, take into consideration the, the, the documents uh, presenting those times, we see that uh, Artsakh, uh, the population of Artsakh never, uh, uh, never accepted the authority of Azerbaijani Republic. So we have a reality that either uh, at a local level, national level, or uh, international level, Azerbaijanis' uh, claims over Artsakh uh didn't so uh, get uh get acceptance uh, neither by locals uh, nor by uh, international community
0: okay that makes sense but then after the ussr collapsed in the 1990s why did the azerbaijan try reclaiming artsakh and then what did the conflict become
1: uh, so during these uh, all Soviet uh, years and uh, 70 years, Artsakh um, w- was in uh, boundaries of Azerbaijan, but was a part of the Soviet Union. When uh, in 1991, the Soviet Union dissolved, there was a, a law that allowed uh, autonomous regions uh, to, uh, to decide their own destiny in case the uh, republics, the, the Soviet republic is uh, leaving uh, the Soviet Union, so uh, Artsakh uh, in that time was an autonomous oblast uh, under uh, Soviet Azerbaijan. So when in 1991 uh, uh, Azerbaijan uh, left uh, Soviet Union, it uh, gave a, a legal ground Artsakh uh, then uh, autonomous oblast to decide its own future and declare independence. And Artsakh declared independence in uh, 1991, in September, and uh, as the the other uh, Soviet republics did in 1991. So uh, when uh, Artsakh declared independence, it had also uh, did um, in compliance with uh, international law and fully in uh, full compliance with then Soviet legislation. It uh, kept all the procedures that are required to, uh, to establish and to form a state, to form an independent state. During these uh, three decades, our people, uh, our country developed democracy and uh, formed all the institutions uh, fully meets all the requirements of the Montevideo Convention of the st- on the statehood. As I
0: understand it, there was a referendum in the 1990s that um, Artsakh took to either maintain independence or to join Armenia, and Azerbaijan never recognized the autonomy of Artsakh. How did that affect Artsakh's foreign relations within the the region itself?
1: So uh, uh, back in 1918, when the liberation uh, movement started, uh, during the Soviet time uh, they were last years of the Soviet rule in 1988 uh, Artsakh was uh, was struggling for re- reunification with Armenia and uh, the Artsakh representatives elected representatives they appeal to the uh, Baku Yerevan and Moscow to solve this issue peacefully and uh, withdraw our, our autonomous oblasts from the Soviet Azerbaijan and uh, 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 and adjust it to the uh, Soviet Armenian boundaries uh, and in response of this peaceful initiative Azerbaijan has started mass pogroms and massacres in Armenian st- uh, Armenian populated uh, cities and settlements in Azerbaijan in Sumgayit, Kiribati, and other places that Armenians were uh, li- uh, were living in. Uh, conflict. And um, uh, Azerbaijani authorities try to suspend this liberation movement and uh, show like what will happen to population of the Nagorno Karabakh Artsakh if uh, these people uh, were raising their voice. For uh, self-determination and for reunification with Armenia. So when Artsakh proclaimed its independence in 1991, Azerbaijan started a war, uh, armed hostilities uh, against the people of Artsakh, whom, by the way, it considered as its citizens. But they, it uh, didn't uh, stop them to uh, to uh, start to launch a large-scale mili- uh, military offensive against the people of Artsakh. And this war, uh, these armed hostilities continued until 1994 uh, when uh, the ceasefire were were reached between um, uh, the conflicting sides, and including Artsakh. Artsakh uh, uh, was a party to this uh, ceasefire agreement and um, what uh, what makes uh, important in this this ceasefire document and uh, in this conflict is that uh, when, uh, Azerbaijan asked for a ceasefire in, uh, in nineties, uh, it was, uh, uh, it was ready and it accepted, uh, that Artsakh is a party to the conflict and uh, the uh, signature of Artsakh representatives stands, uh, this document. But then later, Bakuru, every time used every opportunity to, uh, to refuse and to deny Artsakh as a party to the conflict.
0: So as I understand it, then, Azerbaijan and Baku thought that Artsakh was part of Azerbaijan. But didn't Armenia also consider Artsakh a part of Armenia and Yerevan thought that they had control over Artsakh? How did that change the relationship between Artsakh and Armenia?
1: Artsakh uh, was a part of the Soviet Union in the boundaries of uh, Soviet Azerbaijan, Artsakh uh, has never been part of independent Azerbaijan. And when uh, Azerbaijan uh, left uh, Soviet Union, it uh, declared that it refuses Soviet uh, heritage, legal heritage, and restores the Azerbaijani statehood uh, existed in 1918, 1920, uh, where uh, Artsakh uh, wasn't part of this country. So uh, it refused to be a legal successor of Soviet Azerbaijan, and it uh, it uh, uh, in this way Azerbaijan refused its its legal connection with Artsakh because uh, Artsakh was handed over to Soviet Azerbaijan, not to Azerbaijan. On the one hand, Azerbaijan refuses Soviet uh, legal cessation, and on the other hand, it wants a Soviet political map and uh, Artsakh, that includes Artsakh. So the confusion is this. Azerbaijani authorities and their diplomatic courts use this confusion, uh, confusion that uh, uh, the international community is not fully aware of these uh, uh, details and they, uh, they Uh, uh, mislead the international community that Artsakh is a part of Azerbaijan but it has never been part of Azerbaijan. It just falls in the frames and in the boundaries of Soviet Azerbaijan.
0: This makes sense now because even I was really confused about this and I've never heard about this either so this makes a lot of sense when you spell it out like that. After 1994 though so after the ceasefire you mentioned that Baku still thought Artsakh was still part of Azerbaijan. But you also mentioned that Artsakh developed independently. Can you tell us how Artsakh managed to develop as a sovereign nation state and then build up institutions for democracy?
1: During these old years, we had no uh, no connection with Azerbaijan. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are not recognized on the international level, but either... Uh, we um, no, Azerbaijani. Uh, we uh, don't elect Azerbaijani uh, president. We don't elect their parliament. We have uh, no absolute no relationship with Azerbaijan, except border incidents and uh, shootings, shellings and etc. Azerbaijan considers Artsakh uh, the, not Artsakh, but the territory of Artsakh, because uh, if uh, they think that we are their citizens, they didn't. Uh, didn't uh, launch a war against us, they didn't kill us and so on. Uh, if Azerbaijan considers Artsakh its territory, uh, they only uh, they present uh, to the international community, like uh, the territory of Artsakh belongs to Azerbaijan and Artsakh is Azerbaijan. But they uh, don't tell people, the foreigners and the audience that uh, they have no influence all the process uh, processes are going on in Artsakh. They have uh, absolutely no influence here. Uh, they just uh, just uh, present like uh, it's a part of Azerbaijan. But uh, we uh, almost in three decades we developed uh, democracy by uh, our own and with the help of, of course, with the help of Armenia. Armenia was uh, uh, and I hope is still our security guarantor. And uh, all uh, all infrastructure and um, language, the uh, financial system, educational system, the uh, religion, and so on. We are the same nation as Armenia. We are part of Armenia. We are Armenia itself is Armenia. But uh, uh, but during these years, we had all uh, we have all uh, institutions. Uh, that are required to uh, function as a state and function as a sustainable and viable state.
0: That makes a lot of sense and I want to come back to the relationship between Armenia and Artsakh because you said that Artsakh is Armenia and I agree because most of the population is ethnic Armenian and you said that you have the same language and the same education system etc. How did Armenian influence in Artsakh grow over the past 20 years have they been providing you just security forces or has the relationship been more, has there been more trade between the region or just have you had a greater role in um, Armenia's parliamentary procedures and have they had a greater role in your parliamentary procedures?
1: So no, we elect our own president, we elect our parliament and we uh, we have a constitution and we are, uh, we are a sovereign country we have all attributes uh, except international recognition. So we are a uh, functioning de facto state, and we don't uh, either elect uh, parliament of Armenia or uh, take part in uh, elections forming government of Armenia. Uh, what uh, what is the influence of Armenia over Nagorno karabakh until the uh, November ceasefire? Armenia um, Armenia. Uh, was the main security guarantor of, uh, of uh, our people, of Artsakh. Uh, so uh, things have been uh, changed after November 9, because uh, Russian peacekeepers appeared in this region for the first time in the history of the conflict. Uh, so Armenia, uh, Armenia is our, um, when you are surrounded and you are an enclave, uh, Armenia is the main door and the main window to the, uh, to the world. So uh, we are only uh, le- um, linked with Armenia, and now it, uh, the situation is the same. Uh, 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 Armenia is um, uh, like our doors to the uh, to the uh, uh, for uh, to the world, and Armenia also uh, uh, help uh, help us a lot uh, to function as a state. And uh, uh, among Armenia, um, among other things, Armenia, uh, for example, Armenian Parliament shares its. Uh, uh, experience with our parliament, as we don't cooperate on the state level with other uh, with other states. Uh, uh, even if we have a relationship with other uh, uh, other countries, and we have representative uh, re- representations in uh, more than six, seven uh, countries around the world, but still uh, through Armenia, we get all the necessary uh, things for the uh, for the capacity building for the uh, and uh, in general, uh, for
0: the country in general. I want to come back to the current conflict that ended with the 9th November ceasefire, which you've mentioned already. As I understand it, Azeri forces uh, moved into Stepanika sometime in September or October, and they launched a violent offensive against the people of Artsakh and Armenian troops. What was the effect of this uh, violent movement by Azeri forces on the people of Artsakh and the people uh, and the people of Nagorno Karabakh.
1: Uh, so, uh, when uh, conflict erupted in the 90s and there were uh, armed hostilities, uh, an international mediation format was formed uh, called OIC means Group Co-Chairmanship. This uh, chairmanship um, is composed of the uh, uh, representatives of uh, Russian Federation, France, and the uh, United States. And these three co-chairs, they started a peaceful uh, process, negotiation process, uh, to settle uh, this conflict. Uh, And during these all years, um, uh, negotiations were going on under the auspices of this uh, mediation group. Um, but uh, unfortunately uh, also during all these years azerbaijan didn't rule out uh, the military way of solving uh, solving the conflict and in parallel with the um, uh, peace process it always uh, tried to solve uh, the conflict uh, via military it started uh, also a war a large-scale war in uh, April of 2016, uh, four years ago, before this uh, this war, and it it, uh, it was um, it, uh, it went da- uh, down to history as a four-day war, mm-hmm. and in uh, during this April war, the uh, ceasefire was reached uh, through the Russian mediation mediation, uh, but. Um, even after this war they uh, continue to negotiate under those phases of the Minsk group but then came uh, the september and they were prepared for this war for launching this war and uh, this 44 day war showed that azerbaijan uh, azerbaijan not only didn't uh, exclude solving conflict military but it uh, it uh, it was ready to kill 150,000 population in order to free this land from Armenians and to take these territories.
0: That sounds awful, and I'm really sorry that the people on Artsakh and on ground in Nagorno-Karabakh had to experience this. What have the damages in Nagorno-Karabakh looked like right now, and how is the government working to recovering the losses?
1: So uh, this uh, war was uh, was unprecedented one since 90s. And Azerbaijan not only uh, shelled and uh, bombed uh, the military positions along the uh, borderline or only borderline uh, boundary villages and settlements, but also the capital, Stepanakert, was under constant uh, fire or dur- uh, during night and day. Uh, so it fully damaged our infrastructure, civilian um, uh, civilian uh, infrastructure was uh, fully damaged. Uh, electricity, we lost electricity, uh, mobile internet, uh, mobile connection, of gas, uh, etc. All this uh, civilian infrastructure was damaged, and uh, people, uh, they, um, um, as a result of constant shelling of peaceful, uh, peaceful settlements, people are uh, uh, living. In these area, in these settlements, they were forced to leave their homes and uh, to flee and, uh, and seek safer places in Armenia. And uh, about uh, about nine uh, ninety thousand um, people, uh, they uh, were forced to leave their houses. They became um, IDPs and. Uh, uh, as a result of them, uh, as a result of the armed hostilities and uh, of course uh, as a result of the uh, November 9 ceasefire because uh, except uh, the territories that we lost during the war, uh, uh, the leadership of Armenia was um, forced uh, to uh, to hand uh, over some of uh, the regions of Artsakh uh, to Azerbaijan. And this, uh, this region weren't conquered by Azerbaijani military uh, force, but they were handed uh, to Azerbaijan uh, peacefully.
0: And as a result of this, as I understand it, people in Yerevan are pretty angry and want Nicole Pashinyan to step down now because they are quite upset with how Mr. Pashinyan actually dealt with the Artsakh question at the end of this war. What has the response been from the government of the Republic of Artsakh Do these calls for Mr. Pashinyan to actually step down? Do they want a new government in Armenia to keep supporting them? Or are they happy with the way Mr. Nikol Pashinyan dealt with the situation?
1: There is a post-war period uh, now, and uh, the government is mainly mainly trying to deal with uh, the everyday needs uh, of the people, and mostly uh, people uh, became uh, became IDP of the lost territories. Uh, we lost three fourths of Artsakh. and uh, this makes a sense uh, that um, we, have, uh, we have right now many many uh, problems that uh, our people face with him, and uh, and our president declared that it, uh, he will um, step uh, up from his uh, position, and we, uh, extra snap elections will be uh, will be held after when uh, the country will be ready to hold elections and he will not participate in these elections and he will not run uh, for his position. And just uh, uh, in this period of time, he wants to stabilize the situation in the country and then uh, step down from his position. Uh, What comes to Armenia, uh, as you know, even uh, even we are all Armenians living in Artsakh and in Armenia, but in uh, domestic politics and in uh, political issues, uh, we keep uh, not distance, but we don't intervene uh, each other's uh, political uh, processes. Uh, so uh, it's up to uh, uh, Armenians living in, uh, in the Republic of Armenia to decide the fate of their prime minister and their parliament. And we, uh, need a, uh, uh, we both um, uh, government and people uh, uh, cannot uh, intervene in, the, in these processes taking place in Armenia.
0: So you mentioned that this is the post-war period, and I'm really happy to know that the government is doing all it can to help Artsakh actually recover from the war itself. How has the presence of Russian peacekeepers in the region felt like? Is it different? Do you feel more secure? Do you think there is more stability now that Russia actually has troops in the region?
1: Uh, It will be naive to say that we are dreaming of Russian presence here. Because every country and every nation wants to keep its security on its own. So if you are a sovereign state, you should keep your security and your uh, security of your uh, country, of your people, of your borders, by your own. So, but uh, we had no alternative to invite Russian peacekeepers uh, to, uh, to provide a security for our people. Uh, uh, like uh, during the war, we were uh, we were expecting the expected that um, the Western countries, uh, Muslim uh, France and USA, that are involved in this conflict as co-chairs yes, and peace mediators, they uh, they are countries that were uh, created in the examples of uh, uh, freedom, human rights, and this uh, Western state of values. They will understand our uh, strives and our struggle for, uh, for deciding our own future by our own. So, but what we get, uh, what we got from the West uh, were, were just empty statements and concerns that, uh, that we can, that uh, weren't able to protect us from other uh, bombs and drones. But Russia, unlike uh, the West and uh, the Western countries, acts rather than speaks. So, when on the one hand you have uh, Western empty statements, and on the other hand, you, uh, you have Russian peacekeepers, real uh, soldiers with their tanks, so uh, there is no loo- uh, room left for thinking long and inviting them to the region. So Russian uh, peacekeepers now are here and they provide security. And uh, uh, frankly, uh, our people are grateful uh, to them since we feel more more secure and we can uh, freely and uh, safely uh, travel to Armenia to leave Artsakh and Kemba. Since uh, Russian peacekeepers are um, providing the security in this corridor, and also in the uh, several positions that, uh, that are, uh, at any time, Azerbaijan can uh, resump the hostilities, armed um, hostilities and can attack. So Russian presence makes uh, uh, resumption of war uh, ha- uh, unlikely.
0: That's good to hear. Um, do you think that this war and the situation that exists on ground now will increase the pressure on the international community to recognize the independence and sovereignty of Artsakh. Uh,
1: I don't think that uh, the Western country, the West, and other countries uh, are ready to recognize the Republic of Artsakh, and uh, I think they just will uh, use uh, uh, this um, uh, this uh, factor for uh, their own interests, and they uh, if uh, they want to get uh, some. Uh, uh, uh something from azerbaijan or turkey um as you will know uh, turkey was the, uh, directly involved in this conflict and they also engaged a thousand uh, of um, mercenaries from the terrorist uh, organization from the middle east and it was done uh with the direct support of turkey so uh, they uh they are always with azerbaijan and uh, Western countries, if they want to uh, to um, be engaged in this regional politics, in this regional geopolitics, they should act. Uh, you, uh, but now we see that it is uh, the region is divided under under uh, influence of Russia and Turkey. Turkey has a full control uh, of Azerbaijan and even. Uh, this was showed that uh, the military command was exercised by the Turkish command staff, not by the Azerbaijani one. So they have full control of this uh, uh, of Azerbaijan and via uh, uh, Azerbaijan and the territories that are now uh, uh, the territories of Artsakh now occupied by Azerbaijan and and Russia. Uh, uh, Russia, uh Russian military presence is uh, now in uh, in Artsakh in in South Caucasus region. In whole, so if West wants uh, to be engaged in this region, they should act. And how they can act? Uh, they can just um, uh, just um, uh, take uh, take these cards uh, to play like uh, we'll recognize Artsakh, but uh, I am not sure that they will uh, do this.
0: I'm talking about the West acting. The Human Rights Watch is now inquiring into whether Azerbaijan has committed human rights violations against Armenian prisoners of war. Do you think that just calling out human rights violations is enough from the West or do do they need to do a lot more within the region? Uh,
1: When we see that uh, uh, so, uh, uh, human rights uh, organizations like uh, Human uh, Rights Watch and Amnesty International and others—they uh, 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 artificially equalize the uh, actions of the uh, conflicting part, uh, parties. We uh, uh, we uh, uh, we are very disappointed uh, on those uh, human uh, rights institutions and their reports. So uh, when uh, uh, on the one hand you have uh, uh, so many proofs and uh, recorded on the vi- uh, in the videos uh, by Azerbaijanis themselves uh, themselves that uh, how they um, uh, commit war crimes, how they uh, torture uh, both combatants and civilians, and they uh, uh, record the videos and then uh, circulate it in uh, social media these uh, videos and these proofs and uh, these acts uh, and these committed acts of war crimes uh, they didn't uh, find an adequate and proper response from these uh, human rights uh, institutions human rights organizations it uh, uh, you know you, uh, you, uh, you 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 don't uh, stop to believe in uh, the ideas of human rights uh, freedom and so on but uh, you think and you start believe that these uh, human rights uh, organizations uh, also were uh, tools uh, for politics, for politicians to, uh, to govern the international opinion. So if you are a human rights organization, you should do your uh, job properly and uh, defend human rights, not to serve to the politics. Uh, We also have the cases when the Western politicians uh, that um, uh, who uh, uh, took bribes from Azerbaijani authorities, they ended up to the prison. And uh, the latest case was uh, related with an Italian MP. And we see how this ends uh, in the end. This
0: must be really disheartening for the people of Artsakh and the people of Nagorno-Karabakh who have been so, so adversely affected by this conflict. What do you think lies in store in the future of the South Caucasus region? Do you think that there is going to be some sort of stability coming into the region soon? Or do you think Azerbaijan might still think of military action as a tool in their toolkit and continue trying to annex Artsakh?
1: I think the uh, Azerbaijani goal is to conquer the whole Artsakh, the territory, and expel us from here. Uh, It uh, not uh, once showed that its intent is to to take uh, the whole territory of Artsakh and uh, they are not interested in the fate of people living here. And um, they are just saying, like, uh, go and live in your Armenia, in your Yerevan. Uh, what are you doing in our lands? But you know, for example, me and my friends uh, that who were born in Arzak, who uh, build their houses and live uh, for uh, generations in this land, we can't just uh, uh, give up and say, okay, if Azerbaijan holds this territory, we should uh, give up and uh, uh, and start to live in other places settlements of Armenia but but I am sure they uh, they uh, for the future they have uh, this plan and they uh, their final purpose is to take the whole territory of Artsakh and expel all Armenians uh, living uh, here uh, so uh, uh, I don't think, uh, even if Azerbaijani president declares that the conflict is over for Azerbaijan, I don't think that uh, conflict is over. The war is over. Um, uh, the military uh, actions are over, but the conflict is not solved yet. When one side of the conflict is not satisfied with the results, it can, uh, this conflict cannot be solved and cannot be over. Uh, so uh, I don't say that um, we are going to retake our territories back to right now and so on and so on. But for us, for example, uh, my uh, uh, native village, uh, Talish, it's a village in the northeastern part of uh, Artsakh, uh, now under occupation of, uh, uh, of Azerbaijan. The Azerbaijani uh, Armed Forces uh, took this village uh, in September. And um our house and uh, the graves of our grandma's grandpas are there, so for me uh personally even personally, conflict is not solved. If my house is under occupation if if my uh I can't visit uh, not uh, only live but even visit the graves of uh my ancestors, I can't uh, th- uh consider the conflict is over.
0: That sounds actually quite distressing. What result do you think will Artsakh be satisfied with? At what point do you think that Nagorno-Karabakh will be happy and will say that the conflict is over for them?
1: If I say that uh, Azerbaijanis should leave this region, uh, it will not be uh, uh, rational, at least. And I hope the Azerbaijanis also uh, come to the Uh, to this idea that neither us nor them are going to leave this region and our homelands. So if they want to leave their homeland, if they uh, they want to live in Azerbaijan, I want to live in my homeland. So uh, for me, uh, the conflict can be solved when uh, uh, there is uh, no side. That is not satisfied with uh, with the result of the conflict uh, resolution. So, uh, if they want to uh, to live there in their homes, I want to live in my home. When uh, they take my home, and they can uh, uh, can allow themselves to buy uh, advanced drones, Turkish, directors uh, uh, and Israeli-made Arabs, and they have money uh, for buying these kind of things, and they can uh, take our homes, and can, uh, take our villages, and our churches, and etc. And right now we can't do that. It doesn't mean that uh, that they have rights and we have no rights. So just they have uh, they have the military advantage right now, but it it also should not be an incident for. Uh, And the international community, I think, should uh, draw draw some uh, conclusion that military advantage uh, should not be used against human rights.
0: Just one final question before I let you go, ma'am. Do you have any news sources or any books that you can recommend for us to read so that we can get ourselves acquainted and inform ourselves about the current situation in Nagorno-Karabakh?
1: We have um, uh, local news agencies and we have uh, uh, that uh, covers also news in English. So it will be, uh, will be convenient for you to follow this Artsakh Press. I can uh, send you some links and you can uh, follow these uh, media platforms for the future. Yes,
0: please. And uh, I will definitely put the links to Artsakh Press and the other media links on the show notes for this episode itself. And I would also strongly encourage all of you to follow Ms. Gavalian on Twitter because she provides an incredibly up-to-date source of what's going on on the ground in Artsakh. For now, thank you so much for joining us and giving us your time, ma'am. This has been incredibly useful and eye-opening for me as well.
1: Thank you so much, Mr. Kapoor, for inviting me uh, to uh, your... Matter file broadcast. So it was a pleasure to speak to you and your audience about my country and about the fate of people uh, living here. Thank you so much. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino.